This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host for today, Sandy Hunt. Dollars and Change is here every Thursday from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern and 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. We're also replayed throughout the week, available on the Sirius XM app. And as always, we are delighted to be talking to all of you today. This show is about the intersection of business and social impact. We're going to be talking about paper plates. <laughs> Might seem like a simple topic, but it's going to be a great deep dive look at how we're able to focus on the social impact of a particular product, what it takes to design, generate, produce, and sell a product that have that has improved social impact. As always, we thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at BizRadio132 or at our Wharton Social Impact handle at Wharton Social. For more information and links, please don't Look at your phone while you're driving. It will all be there for you later. You can also email in questions at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. We love hearing from our listeners uh, if they have feedback on a segment that they enjoyed, other segments they'd enjoy, follow-up questions they have. We love to hear from you, so don't ever hesitate to reach out. We're going to be jumping in with today's guest, Matt Hoffman, who's the president of TELUS Products. Matt, welcome to Dollars and Change. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I hope I did not belittle you by saying the segment was talking about paper plates, but hopefully grab the attention of our listeners who thought this is going to be an interesting conversation. Absolutely. So tell us about the problem. What What's the deal with plastic plates? Yeah, so uh, plastic or single-use <laughs> plastic or styrofoam or polystyrene plates uh, can take a thousand years or more to biodegrade or compost in uh, you know, typical settings. And, you know, it's just a uh, problem facing our society as more and more of us are aware of, um, you know, the challenges around our waterways. And you know, the statistic is by uh, 2050, there will be more pounds of plastic in our water than pounds of fish. So this all kind 2050? of idea. By 2050, that's, that's what uh, some of the experts there are saying. Holy um, cow. So this is just as, a, yeah. you know. I mean, that is really startling. More plastic in the water than fish. Yeah. And 2050 is not that far away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now plastic is a great substrate for certain uses, but for something, a single use that we're going to use for, call it five minutes or less. Yep. And then pitch, you know, we started challenging ourselves, could there be a better way? And uh, we were sitting in a perfect situation where we grow uh, quite a bit of sugar cane in South Florida. And started looking at. Um, we've always been, you know, good environmental stewards of that crop, and started challenging ourselves. Um, you know, what could we do with our sugarcane fiber besides uh, producing biomass energy for our facilities? Uh, you know, and become even stronger and better, uh, you know, um, conservers of electricity, and, and improve our, um, you know, efficiencies in the facility to become better stewards of the power, and then release more fiber for. You know, potentially converting it into uh, paper plates and bowls and single-use um, to-go containers. So Excellent. that was the whole birth of Telus products. Yes. Well, I want to dig into it. Before I do, I just want to make sure that we, we sort of hit on the, you know, severity of this this problem. So we hear that by 2050, which sometimes I think it's still the 90s, you know, sometimes I think you get, you're burned in these generations, but that is, you know, 30 years away. That means 
Someone someone born today could be celebrating their 30th birthday at the beach swimming in an ocean that is more full of plastic than fish. We use 20 times more plastic today than we did in 1960. And I think we can all sort of imagine some of those applications. And here's the part that I find really scary. I happily put my plastic items in a recycling bin and feel pretty darn good about myself that I'm recycling. Matt, what percentage of that plastic is recyclable? Yeah, I mean, uh, the statistic is it's much less than 10%. Yes. Is, uh, um, Two, I've heard. You... I've heard as low as 2% of that plastic is recyclable. That's yeah. my conscience-free, like my guilt-free bin. If it yeah. ends up in the recycling, I feel fine about it. I feel a little bit bad when things go in the trash. But to know that only 2% is recyclable makes me feel like everything I'm, I'm tossing is um, is a problem. So you guys are doing something about it. And um, I'll give a little teaser to our listeners that you can actually buy these products on Amazon. Um, so th- there's a chance if folks are listening to take immediate action with the click of one button, <laughs> as they That's make it right. so easy to do. Um, so let's tell, let's back up and talk about Telus Products as a company. Was it founded with a social impact mission, or is this something that has evolved as a part of the company? No, it definitely was founded with a social impact mission where, um, again, it was really a spinoff of us being better, um, con- you know, better stewards of our power situation where, uh, so we're, you know, founded in South Florida by two sugar, you know, sugar companies, uh, Sugar King Growers Cooperative of, For- of Florida, which is 45 um, family farmers and Florida Crystals Corporation, which is a member of that cooperative, where in our process, we, we, we produce a lot of sugarcane fiber every year. Um, so stock of sugarcane, if I back up, is, believe it or not, uh, the fastest growing C4 plant in the plant kingdom. So it grows 12 to 14 feet every 12 months. And it's a grass you cut once a year. But that stock of cane, believe it or not, is 75% water, 10% sugar, 10% fiber, 5% molasses. So for over 3,000 years, man's been crushing that cane to extract that sugar-rich juice. For about the past 100 years in sugar manufacturing, they've been using the fiber as the fuel to co-generate the power. So that co-generation means it produces steam and electricity. So we power our entire facility and then some. But through lean, you know, Six Sigma, world-class manufacturing processes, we've become more energy efficient in our process. That would then allow and release more bagasse uh, to convert into commercial use. So it was a social impact of us just trying to be better, you know, um, uh, you know, stewards of our energy um, balance. And then we started looking at uh, biofuels and biochemicals and stumbled across, um, you know, the big challenge of plastics and single-use plastics and polystyrene and what products could we make um, that would, you know, be very functional with our fiber. So our fiber is very similar to a hardwood uh, fiber once you process it and isolate that pure cellulose. So we decided on a business plan of, um, you know, instead of going over, you know, into tissue or toweling um, to focus on uh, rigid three-dimensional containers and primarily plates and bowls and takeout containers because we saw the big challenge of these single-use um, food containers that you're using for 20 minutes or less or, you know, maybe you put it in your fridge for a couple of days and then you, you know, throw it away and it's not being recycled and um, so or ends up in our waterways and then microplastics or who knows what. So Yeah, we, we heard from really a previous good. guest that anyone who uses table salt is ingesting yeah. microplastics these days. And more and more news coming out, it seems like, weekly about how much of that is just uh, in our waters. And 
it's mind-boggling. So, so um, I, I personally... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I want to dig into the process. So it makes a lot of sense. You're talking about the sort of three, besides the water, the three core components of the sugar cane. You had good uses yep. for one and two. You had the fiber, yep. discovered a great sort of product. But I don't want to simplify that process or the production, you know, design process. You're a company that's, I'm sure, you know, you know, running to produce you know, your, your sugar, you've got the, the operations running your business and an energy efficient uh, perspective on that. You know, who said, let's really take time to dig into looking at the fiber and, and sort of how is that a part of the corporate culture that that innovation uh, was a priority? Yeah, very good question. And it really, um, I, I'm young to the organization, uh, young being almost 10 years where our leadership team is just phenomenal, very, you know, um, progressive men and women that have the long term in mind and really challenged us to say, you know, what could we, you know, what can we do with this and all believe in this, um, you know, the social impact that we can make with this product and have been very supportive because uh, we've invested more than $80 million and taken us five years to get to this point. So they've been very supportive. Yeah, I mean, that that's um, a humongous that amount of, of money and time, $80 million in five years. So why was it such a priority? You talk about their sort of, you know, progressive, well, forward think, thinking, but but that's a, a big strategic decision to make. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and it makes, I mean, obviously it, it, it makes good business sense, right? It's a way for us to diversify, but also I think, too, we were all very passionate about the greater good that we could do. Um, and again, the sugarcane plant is just so phenomenal. I mean, the amount, I mean, to grow something to grow 12 to 14 feet every 12 months, um, and, 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 you know, for 60 years, we've been harvesting it for that sugar, but to think what more it can do and what more it can give back. So we're just scratching the surface of this first facility um, is less than 5% of our fiber. So we're very excited about uh, the future of what we can do with this fiber and, um, and beyond. Got it. So then you went to market with these. You can buy them on Amazon. You look right. I looked them up myself. Right. T-E-L-L-U-S products. Yep. Um, but something that, that caught my eye was that there are many options for sort of uh, natural, biodegradable, environmentally impactful plates. Now that I'm talking to you, I think you guys are the real deal. But, you know, how do you as, as a consumer navigate what to look for? You have a lot of these, you know, eco packaged plates. Um, what makes yours different? What should consumers look for to determine if they are getting, you know, a truly socially impactful uh, product? Yeah, Sandy. So uh, very good question. And what differentiates us is the fact that we're all grown and made here in the U.S. and completely vertically integrated. Um, when we started looking at this project about six years ago, we quickly discovered that um, there was sugarcane and bamboo products being sold in the U.S. They were all being imported from Asia, where they have used sugarcane and bamboo as a uh, resource for many years, where in the U.S. we have um, you know, pretty robust uh, you know, um, uh, tree and forest uh, industry and wood industry, um, as well as plastics. So we... Uh, you know, quickly discovered that, you know, there are some separate points of, you know, points of differentiation that we have. It's all annual renewable and grown right in South Florida. Um, and then we developed really a novel process that's proprietary to us in converting that fiber in the most um, environmentally um, sensitive way. 
because uh, that really is part of our core and we look at our mission is all plant product planet you know and our roots for farmers in that plant and we innovate these amazing products while being you know responsible environmental stewards for our planet so that was kind of a core that has um that founded us but also as we retract and recruit um top talent uh, we're a young organization and it's so exciting to see them. Um, I myself have two young children and a third on the way, but um, congratulations! The, 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 yes, thank you, thank you. It's hard navigating all the. Uh, you know, there's a whole term that's been created of greenwashing. Mm-hmm. You know, different people that make claims and whatnot. Um, so we really encourage um, consumers to do their research, right, and try to research the company, ask the questions: where Where does the fiber come from? What is the process used to make the product? Um, how do they go to market? So you mentioned uh, Amazon, which is, you know, kind of our consumer facing, but um, you know, over 90% of our business plan is, is business to business. So mm-hmm. we work with large food service distributors and on tellusproducts.com, you can um, look up in your area uh, what distributors uh, we work with. And as we're trying to grow and um, continue to add distribution throughout the country, but it is a, it's definitely a big challenge. Um, but we uh, certainly hold ourselves to a high t- a high standard and, um, you know, don't claim anything that we can't substantiate by a third party and, and go from there. Got it. And I'm curious, I was wondering about the sort of business to business sales versus consumer sales. From the consumer angle, we certainly hear a lot on dollars and change about the, you know, preference of consumers to make buying decisions that are aligned with their values. But why are big businesses doing it? I imagine this is things like school cafeterias or, you know, corporate offices um, that are buying in major bulk and whose customers or users, the actual user of the the plate or the clamshell or the napkin may not necessarily know the source at all. They're not seeing the packaging. What's motivating them to potentially pay more or seek out these alternatives? Yeah, again, another good point, and it's it's the social responsibility aspect by big you know consumer product groups and and uh, big restaurant operators, and also the mandates. Mm. So when we started this project five years ago, there were about a hundred cities and municipalities throughout the U.S. that had single-use plastic or polystyrene or styrofoam bans. Now it's over three hundred um, and growing. So that has been a nice tailwind as well that has. Um, you know, helped our helped our business plan, but I think for the right reasons. Where now you hear everything about plastic straws, um, you know, a lot of attention on plastic straws, but it it, it really comes back to any single use plastic item in a food container or um, or other that you know you're using just for a simple five minute, twenty minute task, and then uh, disposing of. We really got to challenge ourselves and say, is there a better way? Absolutely. And I want to zoom out now and talk a little bit about your business broadly, but quickly remind our listeners who they're talking talking to and learning from. This is Matt Hoffman, president of TELUS, T-E-L-L-U-S, products, um, purveyors of sugarcane plates, bowls, and clamshells that are made uh, from the sugarcane fibers, among other things. So, Matt, one of the things that was most impressive to me in, in reading about your work is the the true vertical integration of social impact throughout your company. So you're focused on sustainably growing your sugar cane. You got environmentally friendly packaging for that. Then you decide to have energy efficient, you know, uh, operations for your factories. Then you take it to the next level with using this fiber to make a product. You also pay your employees, um, you know, quite well. 
how how is how are the business decisions made and are there any trade-offs between this commitment to impact and your bottom line um because you got solid starting wages you know you have a strong commitment to u.s production and these things are noble but not always the you know the cheapest option how are you successfully running this business with uh these competing priorities no we uh We've been taught. I mean, that's part of our kind of founding uh, principles by our by our leadership at the companies. Is you know, you do the right thing, and that's what's good for business. Um, so we are very proud to have invested uh, this amount of money in Western Palm Beach County, which um, isn't economically you know distressed. It's a rural farm community, um, and we knew that uh, this was the right place to in- invest the money and build a business. We've hired over 90 uh, men and women um, from that local community and have a starting wage of over $15 an hour. And um, we're so proud of that team that we're creating. And it, um, yeah, it sometimes, you know, people can look at that and say that's a challenge, but this is a very dedicated workforce. And, um, you know, they are learning a lot and, going through a lot of uh, growing pains as we grow and scale. So we think that that's the, the right thing to do. And uh, same thing with investing in companies like this and new technologies like this that um, we think in the long run, too, they make us a more sustainable company. And, and if I want, I want to even tie it back to the farmer because I would say uh, the farmer is really one of the first environmentalists and um, we're constantly as farmers always trying to look at, uh, you know, to be sustainable, we have to sustain and and business and are constantly looking at, you know, how to be the best environmental stewards, how to be the, you know, utilize water and fertilizer and other things, the best that we can do. So that has just carried right through to tell us and, and beyond. So we're very proud of it, but that's a big part of our heritage and our roots. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit about the workforce. Um, we see more and more trends of employees that are valuing the alignment of their values with their employer's values. Certainly once yeah. you add some of these impactful practices like, you know, wage and um, other benefits, we see in- increased employee retention sometimes, increased employee engagement, productivity. Tell us what you see from your workforce um, and how you've seen those trends evolve over the last couple decades. Not you necessarily, because you re- mentioned you're relatively new, but how the company has seen those trends play out in employer practices. Yes, yes. So, uh you know, the actual production side of the business uh, will be, we're right at a year and a half old, but we've you know, attracted some top talent from around the country that totally buys into that where, um, you know, they, some of them were in plastic manufacturing and um, realized that what they were doing, you know, wasn't necessarily creating a, a, a good impact to the environment. And we're looking at, you know, companies that could make a difference um, but, you know, how we treat employees, how we involve them, too, and just I think everyone wants to make an impact. And uh, we respect and honor those individuals and um, and really engage them. And in a startup, too, uh, we all wear a lot of hats, as I tell everyone, and um, we have to chop with the axe before we get the scalpel out. So uh, it's all I might make you I might make you break <laughs> break that down because that's a new one on me. So what is it? What, what do you mean when you say chop with the axe before you get the scalpel out? Yeah, so I I have a bunch of funny little sayings that they tease me about. But <laughs> no, I like them. Important. I'm at, I'm like looking forward yeah, to adding I, this to my arsenal. Yeah, I think it's too. Growing up in the South, you uh, get exposed to a lot of these weird <laughs> sayings. But 
No, but I'll focus on, you know, the, you've heard the perfection is the enemy of the good at yes. times where sometimes, um, you know, particularly a young engineer or a uh, um, young marketing person may get so caught up in the details that they lose the big picture. And the big picture, particularly in a startup, is so important where not everything's going to be perfect. So you have to chop, you know, chop at the big things that you can handle and then, you know, as we grow and scale, we'll, we'll, you know, get out the scalpel and get into the, you know, finer details of things that, uh, you know, time is one of our most precious resources right now. So, um, and I think that they have all really risen to the occasion and, and enjoy that uh, building atmosphere. There's builders and there's managers. This is definitely, you know, a team that has to be, um, you know, used to wearing a couple different hats and, and, and embrace that uh, startup, um, that you know, that, that the craziness of, uh, of a startup. So we're very fortunate. I think we have a phenomenal team right now and, um, and are continuing to grow. So that's been a big part of our early success. Excellent. Let's, as we get into our last five minutes here, talk about the future. What is next for TELUS? I, I'm struggling to think of any uh, rocks that haven't been turned over in the in, sort of impact space of running a business, but what are the next uh, next big adventures you guys have? Yeah, I mean our our biggest challenge is just keeping up with demand. So we're continuing to try to try to scale and um, you know work through any production kinks and and uh, you know continue to build some more novel uh, processes and equipment and grow. But then looking at um, other novel products that we can deliver to help again you know contribute to society. So we're focused on food right now, but we haven't even scratched the surface of other consumer product goods, single use containers like electronics packaging, cosmetic packaging, pharmaceutical packaging. Um, the packaging space is just massive, and we think we can form, we've proven we can form any three-dimensional rigid container that is you know, strong and, and has good functional per, uh, per, you know, properties. So that is something we're, um, we're starting to scratch the surface on. So who knows what we'll be making 10 years from now, but uh, we feel very fortunate to be where we are and are keeping our keeping our uh, heads down and focused on um, yeah, continuing to grow. Got it. And I'm curious, and this is a, there's no wrong answer here because you guys are running a business, but are you sharing information on this technology? Because I'm thinking about, you know, the scale of sugarcane fiber that's going to waste globally, not being put to use. This is an incredibly practical and productive use. Um, what do you feel your sort of responsibilities and and priorities are around sharing that these you know successes and technologies yeah we do have some plans around that i'd like to just leave it at that <laughs> that's all right you're almost saved by the bell we've got a few <laughs> few more minutes here left um and what i'm going to do is ask you for a few uh, closing comments on advice you have for other folks who are listening uh, they're in leadership position at, at companies um, inspired by the research and development and innovation that you've made possible at TELUS, what would be some advice you'd have for them as to how to find some of these win-win-win opportunities like you've done? Yeah, just to keep uh, to keep scratching the surface there. And I always tell the team we have at TELUS, you know, back to, you know, people, plan, and process. I mean, it all comes back to having um, good talent and good people around you that, um, you know, you put forth a good plan and develop processes to uh to execute that so we're we're very fortunate and i've been you know blessed with very good mentors that uh continue to help um you know, give me good advice and stuff so and and yeah have good mentors because that definitely is uh 
I know something that has been just so influential in my life and in this uh, development of the company because it's a team effort. I mean, I have the title of president, but there's uh, many more um, very bright people behind the scenes than just myself. So um, we're very fortunate and excited. Excellent. Well, it's good advice. And I think for some of our listeners, you have been a mentor today. So, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sandy. And again, yeah, thanks for plugging us on on Amazon and tellusproducts.com. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, every every time we have a segment, it's our intention to get, leave listeners with a little bit of a what could you do differently? What action could you take after listening to this segment? This is one where I'm struck by um, how often I've purchased, you know, plastic plates or styrofoam plates for different different events. And these plates are really competitively priced. Uh, they are slightly more expensive than some of the, you know, bulk styrofoam plates, uh, but but not much and, and really kind of good looking, sturdy, good reviews. So I'll be giving them a whirl at our, our next family party or something like that in our, in our home. Listeners, I want to remind you that you are listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Channel 132. Thanks for being with us. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.